If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. All right, so I'm going to bring up my colleague,、uh, Jason Del Rey.、Um, Jason covers a lot of the、uh, basically the commerce、uh, stuff for us, payments and e commerce and all of that. So if, it, if there's a money part attached to it, he's, he's terrific in、uh, covering the story. I like money. You like money. We、yep. all like money. <laughs> I like this room then. Yeah, it's a very good room.、Yep. Um, and, so, and then we're going to bring up、uh, Todd McKinnon from Okta. And he's the second person I think I interviewed、uh, on my visit to, to, to、uh, so、come on up,、uh, to、uh, Sand Hill Road. My first visit to Sand Hill Road, I met two people the very first hour I was there. I met Ben Horowitz, and then I met him. So, Todd McKinnon, he's the CEO of Okta. We're going to have a terrific discussion. Have a seat. And it took five years to get here. Five years, that's right. And you only got me to get here by convincing me that Marty from Goldman was going to buy my cloud service. <laughs> <laughs> Did he? Did you close that deal? No, not yet. Okay, all right. <laughs> to be continued. He said, wanna, so, he said he cloud, buy, buy first, and maybe build, and maybe download, something like that. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. So let's start with a nice level set here because you're a SaaS company. Okta is a SaaS company. And software as a service, and you service companies that are adopting other SaaS applications, whether it's Salesforce or Marketo or Workday or Namely or name it. You know,、yeah. probably what, a couple hundred thousand maybe? Yeah, well, we're at a really high level. We think about what we're doing is connecting people with technology. And we do that, as you mentioned, by providing a service that helps organizations, big and small, connect their people, whether it's customers or partners or employees, with the technology they need to do their job, whether that's a SaaS application like Salesforce.com, or that's a web application they build themselves, or any kind of technology that they need. It's the connection between the people and the technology that, that we're all about. So, so let me tell you kind of how I viewed it in our first conversation. And it was, and it was terrific, but, it, but I also saw. Something really narrow about it, and you see something very broad. And I find that, that fact very interesting because it has broadened. And when you described it, it was basically, it was, I, my takeaway was it's sign on. It's a cloud based single sign on for cloud apps.、Yeah. You know, all the identity information, the username and password, and all of that. You know, to keep track of all that, when somebody leaves, cut them off, cut them off from all their applications nice and easy and clean so that they can't sneak in and do、yeah. something they shouldn't. That seemed very narrow to me. And I bet it, I wasn't the only one who thought it. And you saw something very broad. And why don't you explain that? 
you yeah. call it the identity layer, but. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of it is about perspective and how you see the problems in the context you're in and you see them. And I was, um, <clears throat> before I started Okta about seven years ago, I was working at salesforce.com where I was the VP of engineering for products and platform there. And I would work with CIOs of big companies and they were just at that time starting to adopt one or maybe multiple cloud applications. Salesforce.com, as I mentioned, and then others as well. And it also was becoming clear at that time that there was gonna be a cloud or a SaaS alternative in every category. And I got really excited about building a foundational company that would help the CIO of, of the future take this new era, this new era of cloud and mobile and, and manage that in a secure and scalable way. All the SaaS vendors at the time were going to the companies and selling to the HR department or the um, salespeople and really trying to avoid IT. You know, IT was the server hugger in the back room and didn't want to talk to any, any SaaS company and I wanted to build a platform for them. And when you're starting a new company, you have to really do two things. The first thing, to, to have it be an interesting company. The first thing is you have to have something that solves a problem now. I mean, Marty mentioned it, right? It's pain that you can only solve. It has to be now. You can't wait five or 10 years to, your, for your idea to grow up and solve a pain in the future. It has to solve pain now. And for us, that was single sign-on to cloud applications. That's the problem when we talked to people. Everyone had, it wasn't solved. It was really a pain um, in these companies that they would pay money to solve now. But also, from my experience building products at Salesforce and my companies prior to that, I knew that if you built a layer that helped customers control the identity, the people, the applications, the devices, the organizations, that was foundational. It was foundational, especially in a world where things were moving outside the data center, outside the network, and a whole generation of technology that was predicated on owning the firewall, owning the perimeter, owning the data center was gonna be uh, obviated by this new era of cloud and mobile. So Okta had both those properties. It was solved a pain point today and was foundational and could become a platform itself in the future. That's what I saw about it. So one thing that was fascinating to me when I was digging into um, how, how you've evolved over time is you get a view into thousands or hundreds of thousands of cloud apps yeah. and the growth at which they are um, gaining clients, basically, yeah. your clients. That seems like that would be really valuable information to a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um, and to our you, customers, primarily. So, so what, do you do, what do you do with that information? I don't, I don't know, could you predict the next Slack for example, yeah. or, or another cloud app based on... I'd want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> ba based on sort of uptake you're seeing yeah, among so your customers? The, Okta has uh, about 2,700 enterprise customers. Um, it has about, about 5 million uh, employee users, named users, and, and tens of millions of um, customers of our customers. So people are logging in through Okta to their websites or their partner portals. So over the last seven years, six and a half years, we've built this platform and, and gained all this market traction and this momentum. And it's just now we're getting to the scale where the data is interesting. For a long time, we didn't have enough customers for the data to be interesting, but we're getting to a, a point where it's, it's getting to be close to a, you know, a good representative sample. And we are starting to see things like this. And, um, and people are really starting to see the value of this and most importantly, our customers. Our customers wanna know, hey, what companies in our industry, what are they adopting as they grow through the certain sizes and stages that we're going th through? The example I always say, um, you know, we're obviously users of Okta, and you know, we have to, we seem to uh, run into issues with our, um, with our video conferencing system every time we add 100 employees. 
we used something up to 100 employees, and then 250 employees, it broke, and we had to get a new system, and then the 500 employees, we couldn't do a webinar with more than 400 people. And I mean, I would love to see, hey, companies in my industry, high tech, that are growing through certain thresholds, what do they use for video conferencing? What are the patterns, right? And I could predict, right now I could look at the data and say, at 1,000 people, this is probably what I'm gonna do. So you're gonna set up a separate venture arm yeah. to just invest <laughs> in the hop. Well, we'll talk about this later, but I think there's a lot of investors right now. I'm not sure you need another one. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is interesting data. And like most, we think primarily about our customers and what we could do for them. We haven't packaged this up and, and um, given it to our customers in a really usable way, but we're getting to the scale where it's an interesting opportunity for us. Well, well you have some research, though, that you've done. Yeah, and yeah. You noticed, and we, we, wrote, we, we did yeah. this story recently, that... That, that Microsoft with Office 365 yeah. is really widely deployed. Yeah, it's like you thought it was according to your user base. That was the most widely deployed cloud yeah. app. Yeah, and as I mentioned, we're getting to an interesting scale now where we see yeah. trends that are somewhat representative. And we published our first, we call it Business at Work report, and it's uh, you can download it on the website, and it's. Um, it's really interesting data about what's what's being adopted, the growth rates, the top 20 apps across all categories, industries, and we saw some interesting things. One of the things we saw, which was pretty surprising to me, especially when we started the company, I think when we first met Eric, it was all about Google Apps, and um, they were yeah. they were everyone was using Google Apps, and um, you know I think over the last few years, Microsoft has done a great job closing the gap, and recently in, in Okta's data, they took the number one position in terms of most used app across our customer base, so that was pretty interesting. Google had some issues with that that they took to on Twitter, but we'll, we'll save that for so another time. You mentioned in passing there are a lot of investors right now, and you were, you were half kidding, but I think half serious, and so there was a recent, another tech I, I raised a lot of money, I love investors. Yeah, how much, how much hundred, hundreds of millions? Yes, 230 million, yeah. Okay, so at another tech conference recently, a well-known VC said on stage, anyone who has sat on the stage and said there's a bubble doesn't know what they're talking about. But we're on a different stage, on yeah. a different coast, yeah. so um, you've raised a lot of money. What, is there that B word? Is it's, stuff it's bubbly. In the private it's market? bubbly. It's bubbly. And, I, and, I, and when, my, when I look at it, it's, it's bubbly. Which is, has been good for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not claiming it hasn't, but I'll get into more detail on that. Um, it's it just things, you know, I'm, I'm you know, an operating CEO, so I'm running this company, and I see things like um, just salaries. We have to pay people in competitive salary negotiations, and um, it's, you know, salaries are rising very quickly. I look at real estate. We're in San Francisco, great area to be, but r real estate is rising very, very fast. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure it's sustainable. I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to rise, and, and then it's going to not rise anymore. Um, I think in terms of, uh, you know, when we run the company, we think about a couple of very important th things. The first thing we think about is we have to make sure that the product is returning, is providing real value to real customers, right? Not um, customers who are only relying on venture funding to be to, to be afloat. They're real companies in real industries that have history and, and can pay for that product over the long term, no matter what happens in the economic cycle. The second thing is that um, the reason we've raised so much money is so we can grow very quickly and not be at the mercy of the capital markets for more money, because if there is a little bit of a correction, you don't want to be at the mercy to try to raise money. To, to fund your growth when when you can, right. you know there's no money to be raised that's very important um, and 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 the third thing is just making sure that as you grow the company you do it prudently and um, in a way that you're not going to be caught you know if the water goes out you're not going to be caught wearing no shorts and when you look at the valuation your company has right now how do you is that is that a 
fair and... Uh, Everyone's and, overvalued and, and, except and us, not us. Every, <laughs> if, okay. I mean, if you went out into the public markets tomorrow, what, how, how would the value, your private valuation compare to what, what you think you'd see on, what, what on I, the public so, market? I mean, I'm not, I don't see the details of... of I read a lot of Recode, so I get a lot of my information from Recode. Um, and from what I've seen in the, in the interacting with investors, we didn't pay them exactly. Say that. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I interact with a lot of investors, and we recently closed a, a significant round of funding. And what I saw an interesting, I saw an interesting phenomenon, which was we, like a lot of companies do, uh, when they get to our size and stage, they talk to, um, they talk to public market investors, even though they're private companies. And I saw something very interesting. Talking to these investors, it was the people that come through like us to raise these big private rounds were kind of divided into two camps. One was companies that were going to reach the public markets in greater than two years, three years, four years, five years. And the conversations around those companies seemed to be more like a venture capital conversation. It's a big dream, it's kind of like a moonshot, it could, go to, it could be the most amazing company ever, or it could flame out. But there's so much opportunity with what's happening in mobile and what's happening, you heard, the, you heard um, you know, EMC talking about the software-defined network, and you heard Marty talking about all the innovation f financial technology. There's so much um, real change happening in the world. These companies running billions and billions of dollars don't want to miss out. So they're willing to take these big bets, these dreams of, in, these, in these rounds. Um, and you know the last bubble in 2000 or 99, it didn't end well. But born out of that was Amazon, Google, you know, big sustain Yahoo, big sustainable companies were born, and these companies don't want to miss. These investors don't want to miss out on that. That's one, and, and that's driving really, really high valuations. And some of them will work, and some of them won't. Um, the other companies are, are companies that go into these conversations and say, hey, you know, we're going to be public in the short term, less than two years. And um, we want to, and, and for those, and it's Okta was, we took that strategy. Um, for those companies, it's like these investors are smart. They look at your numbers and they look at your business and they market to what public comps are, and that's the value. They're not frothy in that behavior, which was, I think, uh, it was made, made me comfortable in terms of the overall structure of the market. So let's, let's, you talk about going public, let's just get this question out of the way. Um, you want to go public, you and I have talked about it a lot. Um, timing has always been vague. You just did what you basically described would be your last round. Mm -hmm. uh, $1.2 billion valuation. You raised $230 million in, in combined. When are you going to go public? The plan is next summer. Okay. There we have it. Um, and so we'll, we'll be watching for your S1 then. Um, if so I was you, any closer, I couldn't talk about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So if you well, had the conference good. in like a quarter. Uh, that's good. All right. All right. You heard it here first, I hope. Did, did we hear it here first? I think we did. Good. <laughs> um, so then back to this narrow versus broad. You broadened into a lot of things. You yeah. broadened into, like, for instance, you have two-factor uh, authentication yeah. uh, product. You know, I was thinking um, when Marty was talking about Goldman Sachs, he had a really, I wish I would, could say it this eloquently, but he talked about the basic things about security, yeah. about you know, the, the, you know, stopping the, uh, shutting the front door and making sure that um, things were orderly and that there, you had two-factor everywhere. That's basically what Okta does. Yeah. Um, you enable that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, you know it, it it just makes sure it helps companies make sure that the accounts are created for the right people that when someone leaves the company the accounts are turned off it makes it really easy to put two-factor authentication strong authentication based on the right security policy across the right assets 
Um, and it's, so it's, it's broadened in, in multiple use cases like is, that. Is Okta a security company per se though? In a way, is that is that is that a branch of your business, or would you say that it's just? Yeah, Okta. It is. A, we are a security company, but we're also the only security company that people love to use because it's really easy. Huh. Most security companies are, you know, a pain because they slow down your laptop, or they make your phone hard to work with, or they, you know, you can't do what you want to do. But we have the interesting um, because of where we started with making something very convenient, single sign-on, that we have that DNA and, and all, everything what we do is about making it really easy and with greater security. So we're, we're really both. So in the, in the consumer side of the tech world right now, um, when people talk about being excited about companies that are in the identity field or, or have a lot of user mm. accounts, yeah, essentially, yeah. they think of what could be possible in payments. That's one of the industries yeah. I know well. Yeah. So when people talk about the excitement around Apple and Google um, and other big tech giants around payments, a lot of it has to do with strictly they know who you are and they have they yeah. may or may not have your yeah. payment account on, on file. Is there is there a B2B play there um, for a company like yours in in the payments world? Or is that is that a, is that a stretch to think that's one of one of the places you can go? Payments are a really important use case for identity just because it doesn't matter. The biggest, uh, most important time it matters to authenticate someone is when they're going to transfer money. Or, so identity and payments are, are very related and it's a very high stake security problem. For us, we connect to payments in a couple ways. One way is that people use our product to embed identity in their product. For example, the Adobe Creative Cloud is, has an Okta embedded in it to connect securely to their thousands of enterprise customers. So it's a bridge to securely connect to um, people for a product that's built into that product. So you could imagine a payments product building in Okta as the identity layer in that product because the company building the payments product doesn't want to um, engineer the strong security or engineer the security functionality. They just want to focus on payments. So that's one way it could happen. Um, in terms of, you know, on cons in consumer identity, people always talk about one identity for everything. And I think my belief is that that's not likely to happen. What will likely happen is better tools to connect various different identities. So the way I think about the problem is um, it's very hard to think about one organization trying to own the identity, but it is practical to have a company, and this is our philosophy at Okta, that we can help um, integrate it better and connect it. So if you want to use your Facebook identity at a customer's website, you can do that very easily. If you want to use your Google identity at another cu customer's website, you can do that very easily as a user, including at work. Right? If you want to bring that identity to work, instead of connecting with your work ID every day, you can do that with your consumer identity. So it's more of a, a bridge and a middleware approach versus a, you know, we want to own the identity for everything. Where, where will you not go? I mean, you've branched into a lot of different things from what we talked about as being very narrow. What's, where would you say is not a place for you where someone might suggest? The, um, I, the, it's hard for me to say what we won't do. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have a hard enough time saying what we will do. <laughs> okay. um, but the guiding principle is always build products that help organizations be more productive by connecting their people and technology. So for example, uh, last year, we introduced uh, our Okta Mobility Management product, which uh, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, it's, it's mobile device management. There's a bunch of people that are doing that. And there but, are. Yeah, but we looked at the, the opportunity and we said, hey, you know what? 
we know the, the people, we know which applications they should have access to, we know which, which devices they're logging in as, we could build a better solution here. We could be, build a better solution for the user that the first thing that happens, they would have all the apps on their phone they need to do their job, whether it's, and it would separate business and personal information, and we could do that better. So that's why we did that. It was helping that, that person connect to that technology to do their job more effectively. So that's our guiding principle, and we'll, we'll go where that will take us. I'm curious, since we've been talking, we've basically had this conversation ongoing for about five years now. How many apps does your typical customer deploy? What did they deploy when you got started? And what's on average are they deploying now? Yeah, it's, SaaS apps. Yeah, it's, um, the, the, the number is in our report and it's, it's, um, it's interesting in that it's, it's much more than they ever think they have. <laughs> So they, they, you ask a company when we first talk to them, how many cloud apps do you have? And they say, oh, well, I think the marketing people have a couple and maybe HR has a couple. But the average is, is closer to you know, 50 it's really, versus the five or 10 they think it is. Versus the five or 10. Yeah. There's a lot of rogue instances of Google Apps yeah. and Dropbox and goodness knows what else. Yeah. And so, but do you come in and help them assess all that? We, ca we come in and help them. We come in and help them actually... Um, the, the ones they want to use for work or the sanctions ones for work, we make it really easy and secure to log into those. Yeah. There's other companies that do a little bit different things about scouring the whole environment and um, presenting the unified picture in terms of everything everyone is using. We focus more on the ones the company wants to use to be productive. So I wanted to jump back to the IPO talk for a second. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. how you think about, um, as an entrepreneur, you've been inside a big beast of a company. Yeah. Um, you're running your own company that's growing. When you, how do you think about the idea of whether this is a product and company that belongs, would be best served inside another company versus yeah. the go it alone strategy? I mean, does it come down to what, what, what a, comp a competitor or inquirer might pay versus what you see in the public markets? Did you guys hear any rumors about offers? Um, there's probably some people in the no, room. So we, yeah, exactly. Not Marty. Exactly, yeah. No, Marty's not going to be into it. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind joining the Federation in terms of, you know, like the whole Star Wars reference. <laughs> I know. Star Trek. Star Trek. I thought Trek, you were talking about Star, Star, Trek. Trek. You, no, yeah, about Star Trek. Um, you just got another activist events there. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I'm, we're venture-backed, right? So uh, we have a fiduciary, I have a fiduciary responsibility as a CEO to, um, explore the right options for the shareholders. Uh, so our philosophy, my philosophy internally, is just keep growing and keep making the business amazingly successful and make it be so valuable that we wouldn't take what anyone would be willing to pay, right? I mean, when I was at Salesforce, we had offers, and it was always just we thought we could do better than the offers were. So we were so optimistic about the business, and um, you know, the, 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 the potential acquirers didn't think it was going to be worth that much. And it turns out you know, the folks at Salesforce were right. Yeah, Mark Benioff is still doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the, one thing I, the other thing I will say about Okta specifically, that is, I mean, that, that, um, that what I just said can be true about any company. But sure. Okta is different in the sense that we are more valuable not as part of an application or a platform ecosystem in terms of the sense of a, you know, like a, a certain development platform or a certain application suite because we're about giving customers choice of the right technology to, the, to connect the right technology to their people. And the second you take that and put it inside of a, an organization that has a vested interest in the app game or in the platform game, you lower the value of it. So if the public market wins, start shifting radically, you're okay with the money you've raised to 
go it alone, or, or does that stance have to change? We yeah. So I talked about earlier about how we run the company given the the, the um, frothy environment we're in. Uh, we're, we control our own destiny, so we we have a plan to get cash flow positive and very profitable based on the money we have. Um, and you know the markets will will do what they will. Um, yeah, and we, we we will be public. You know we have, we're venture backed, so our investors need returns and. And the other thing a lot of people don't talk about it is, um, you know, employees have stock options, right? And they need liquidity for the stock options. And if you try to do that without being public, in effect, the SEC at a certain point makes you be public. So um, that's another factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do we have any questions for Todd? No, no questions. All right. Let's, uh, nobody? Do we have, I thought, no, we don't have one. Okay. There's a brave hand. Here we go. Right yeah, here. Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so wait, wait for the wait for the mic. Sorry, or I'll get to you. And just tell us who you are. I thought he was pre-miked. I was going to say, well, that's a, <laughs> it's planted. Yeah, we planted exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. Right Hello. Okay. Uh, Morgan from Bloomberg Beta. Hey. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about the death of the password um, and moving into other forms of identification. Um, how do you think about that and how it impacts Octa's business? That's yeah, a great question. The I think about it as, you know, there's many things that could replace the password that are better technical solutions like, you know, fingerprint on your iPhone. Um, you know, you, if anyone goes to the airport and gets, I have this thing called um, Clear ID where I go to the airport and it's got a retinal scanner in it so I can get, you know, into the secret security line really fast. Comes with the VC money. <laughs> that was my, per I had that before, that was okay. personal money. Um, but, so I think there's, and I, I earlier to the question about, my philosophy on the industry. I think it's about you know connecting identity sources to application and also connecting authentication factors to those applications. So I, I think of it as a middleware problem. So it's great if there's uh, you know millions and millions of fingerprint re readers out there because we can help connect those to the company's work apps, right? I was really excited when you know I got my iPhone with my fingerprint reader on it because I, I love logging and stuff with that thing, and that thing's going to put many more of those out there. And you know, companies like Okta are going to hook it up to your work systems, to consumer websites, to your payment sites, and it's going to be more. E it's going to be easier to use, and, and there's going to be more than just fingerprint too. You know, Windows 10 has uh, photo recognition that's pretty cool on the client, which is great because now we can help hook it up to other things and make that uh, proliferate. But it's all about those connections, right? It's all. It's all about you know. It's not enough to just have a, f a password or a fingerprint reader or a facial recognition. It's got to be about connecting to the apps and the technology that you need to be productive and have a you know um, good technical environment. I'm curious if you're seeing an uptick in companies coming to you and wanting to get their authentication house in order because we saw every every big company that's been hacked and we covered the the Sony case, yeah. the North Korea hacking, very aggressively, and and a lot of it was just you know bad practices, and usually that is the case. Yeah. Same at OPM, at the yeah. federal government level. Are you seeing an uptick from customers who want to get that house in order and as part of a wider We security? are, yeah. I mean, when you mentioned, we started as a, we were, you know, the first product was convenience. It was single sign-on. And part of the reason why we're talking more about the security is because the security uh, implications of what we do is because the market's telling us it's valuable. We're getting companies coming to us and saying, we really need help with this. And it's, it's not just the leadership of the companies, it's the board, right? These companies have read their, you know, they read the Sony emails publicly and they don't want their emails read publicly. <laughs> um, and it's a board level, uh, it's a board level motivation for these companies, which is, uh, which is, which is important. There's good news and bad news about this. Uh, the, the good news is that 
these hacks aren't sophisticated cracks in cryptographic algorithms that you know, the basic math has been broken. They're not. That's the good news. The good news is that they're, they're basic house cleaning that's not done. You know, accounts left open, ports left unmonitored. Um, uh, once you get in the first perimeter, all, everything behind that not encrypted and left open. They're basic things. The bad news is that a lot of times that stuff is hard to get in order. I mean, these are very big, complex environments. And, you know, uh, the average tenure of a CIO is like about a little under three years. So you, you're the new CIO that comes in. and Unless you're Marty. Yeah, exactly. He, unless he goes off and, 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 and prays in the toilet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was getting ready. I didn't hear all the details. All right. but all right. all right. <laughs> I've prayed to the toilet before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> had, a different, had a different outcome. Um, I thought you looked a little tired. Exactly, yeah. 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 The, uh, so, um, but yeah, doing that's hard in these complex environments. And, you know, getting dropped into a job and saying, all right, congratulations, you have to, you know, you have 100,000 servers and all these applications and these apps, cloud applications you don't even have, you don't even know you have, and now fix it all and don't have any, any, any gaps. It's hard to do. Um, so I think, you know, one of the reasons why we're seeing success, and there's other companies that are taking advantage of this trend as well, and I think it's good for the industry and, and good for the whole environment. Great. I want to come back to the audience. Somebody's got there. We have one in the center. Hi, I'm Michael Pryor from Trello. Um, how much of your success lately has been from a really good sales and marketing machine versus the word of mouth? Fifty-four percent. You know, we. I think that uh, we. If you talk to the, the, we're the only leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for our space, and um, Gartner is an industry analyst firm. Um, and when you talk to Gartner, the biggest compliment I ever got was. Um, the analyst from Gartner told me that he said, you know what, I think you guys are just a bunch of sales and marketing, you guys are sales and marketing machines. I was like, ah, oh, that's, as a product guy, you know, I know the product's good, and then Gartner guy tells me we're a sales and marketing machine, that's a big compliment. So I think our sales, our sales team does a great job, and I think our marketing team is uh, very effective as well, but the word of mouth thing has really started over the last few years for us. Um, we, sell, we sell to a CIO or a CSO, and then we're adopted across the whole enterprise. So like other applications, it's not as much bottom-up. So word of mouth is not as important as it is for some of the other application categories. But app, word of mouth in the CIO community has really kicked in for us the last few years, and it's been a big deal. I want a question from the back of the room. We haven't heard from you yet. And, that's, and that'll be the last one. Do we have one? Way, way in the back. Hey, Todd. This is David Friend from Bain. Um, as you become the keys to the kingdom, how do you think about securing your own enterprise? Yeah, it's, um, we've always been very paranoid and very uh, strident about security. I, I would, if I were a hacker, I would want to hack you. Yeah. Are you, you're not a hacker, are you? No. <laughs> but I think that's, I mean, it is true for every organization that has any kind of valuable information, right? And I think that, um, that I mean, that is true. So if you have the, Presence and the and the and your and your guard up, um, you have a better chance of, of you know deflecting those attacks and being successful deflecting those attacks. Do you run your own infrastructure? Um, we yeah we do we run it all ourselves yeah. All of it yourself. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. You don't farm it out to AWS or anybody like. Yeah, we will. Our, AWS is our data center. Yeah. But it's your data. But we run it all ourselves. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. We don't. It's not like a colo or managed service. So. Okay. Good to know. Great. I think that's about it. Anything? Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I didn't even
from you. No, so. it's great. Yeah, it's a lot. It's great.